just joining us, we're in a sermon series called God's Good Design. And today we talk about God's design for, for women, and we'll look at Genesis 2 for that. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. If you'd like to underline, I would highlight that phrase, a helper fit for him, because the author will repeat it again. Verse 19, now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. We see that phrase again. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were unashamed. Wonder if you had to Ladies, if you had to describe yourself, you know, and sometimes on social media, they have that bio section on the page where you often see adjectives to describe the person or what they do. Um, my question for you is, what would, what would you say? What would be your description in that bio? Um, you might see different pages, and some of them might say mom. Some might say Wife, some might say student, business owner, nurse, doctor, teacher, fill in the blank. And we often use words, right, to describe us because words have value and meaning. In verse 18, the woman is given a phrase, a description a set of words to describe her function and purpose. Look at verse 18. It says that I will make him and helper fit for him. So the question is, what is the purpose for women? Or what is, if you're a lady, what is my purpose? Seems that the Bible is suggesting that your purpose is to be a helper. Now, I imagine you don't go around the church or you don't go around society saying, when people ask you, what do you do? You say, I'm a helper. But I want to encourage you this morning to see the purpose of this phrase and how meaningful it is. A helper fit for him. Your translation, if you have a different Bible than 
the ESV, it might say a helper suitable for him. Essentially what the author is saying, the idea behind this phrase is that, that the woman is a counterpart, a helper corresponding to him. Looks like him, but different. A partner that complements the man. Ladies, do you compliment the men in your life? In your function and role in the created world? Now, I'm not saying that this is the only purpose that women have, right? That you're not going to hear me today say, ladies... Your only purpose in creation is to be a helper, not go help. No, that's not your only purpose. That's not your only function. There are many functions that you have. But as it relates to the man, this function is beautiful. This function was designed just for you, and it's a critical one. You know, I remember when I was younger, when I was in my teenage years, I grew up in a small little Pentecostal church, as I tell you guys all the time. And it was a small church, you know, we didn't, and you often had to do remodeling. We had to paint a new wall, or um, we had to tear down walls. I remember we had major construction projects for like three years in a row, concrete, this and that, and and I was this young little punk little kid who just wanted to go to church to help. I wasn't the guy who, who drove in the screws into the sheetrock, but I was the guy who, who tore down the sheetrock and carried the pieces to the load. I wasn't the guy who put the studs in place, but I surely was the guy who helped put the studs in place. I may have not been the guy who mixed the concrete up with the sand and the rocks, but I was the guy who carried the wheelbarrow from one block to the next because we had to repave the parking lot. Did, did that role that I played for a short time, did, did that diminish who I was? Did that make me any different than the other people? Like, Am I less valuable than the guy who was drilling screws into the sheetrock as I was holding it up? Was the guy who did the taping on the sheetrock more valuable than me who did the painting on the baseboard? I would say, right? I probably didn't have the primary role but it was a necessary role that didn't make me less important than the others. It just made me as important as the others. Ladies, you might be sitting there thinking, a helper fit for him, a companion, a counterpart, isn't a significant role. It is a very important, significant role you play for us men. You still bear the image of God. You 
are made with dignity, value, and worth. But you play a different role. And I want to show you a couple of things. I want to show you a couple of reasons why you play such an important role. Three reasons why your role is so vital. If you look at the rest of the Old Testament, more often than not, the vast majority of the word that's used for a helper is regularly and often describing God. When you look at the word helper and the word that's used in Genesis chapter two, it's only in Genesis chapter two, for the most part, that the word helper is describing the woman. The vast majority of the time in the rest of the Old Testament is referring to who? God. And this is what we see in the rest of the Old Testament. What we see is that God is our help in present danger. God is our help in times of battle. He is our help in times of calamity. He is our help in times of great pain and anguish. God is our help in distress and uncertainty. God is our hope and shield when we are uncertain of ourselves, when we are overwhelmed. Read the Psalms. Ladies, if God is our help, Because he is strong and we are weak. You are our help. You are our strength in the places in our lives that we are weak in the functions and purposes that God has not called us to. You complement us. The skills, the talents, the wisdom, and the strength you provide in the home, that you provide in the church, and every place that God has placed you is a reflection of who God is. It's a reflection of his character of strength. That's the beauty of the role you play, that you reflect the image of God and his character as God our strength. So when you're tempted to believe that you are weak, when you're tempted to believe that you're insignificant, when you're tempted to believe that you're not enough, you're insufficient, remember, this is the same description that we see in the rest of the Old Testament, that God is our strength. Secondly, the reason why this this role is so critical that we see in verse 18. It's because, ladies, you are the solution to our loneliness. Do you see that? You complete us. Though Adam was perfect in every way, Adam was created with a desire. He was created with a need. He was created to be in relationship with someone else. Not just God, but someone like him. Someone who is different. 
Someone to fulfill his desire for companionship. Or as one commentator put it, the woman in Genesis chapter 2 delivers the man from his solitude. The Bible says that Adam was alone. In fact, when you look at verses 19 and 20, he is still alone. It is you deliver us from our loneliness by giving us companionship. And that's not to be interpreted as you are a tool or you are an instrument. It means that you are a vessel. You are a resource. You are a safe haven for men to find community with someone who is different. And this is just beyond marriage too, right? The principle still applies. God designed all of us to live in community with each other. That's why we have the church. That's why we have societies, right? Because it was built in our DNA that God created us. God designed us to live in community, to live in fellowship, to live in harmony with each other. And you want to see a really good picture of that, of men and women living in harmony where women, right, are providing the companionship in godly and awesome ways. You want to see it? It's in Acts chapter 2. Acts Acts chapter 2 verses 44 through 47 is a good picture to, to show us what the relationship looks like among the body of believers. And what you would notice in Acts chapter 2 is this, that when the believers gather together, they prayed together, they worshiped together, they encouraged each other, they lived in community with each other, they lived in harmony with each other, and they had everything in common. This is a beautiful picture of what God intended it to be. Men and women living in harmony, living in unity, complimenting each other because ladies, look at me, we need you. And you need us. Like I said before, I'm not suggesting that the role of helper isn't the only role that women play, but it is certainly a vital role that you play in our lives. Thirdly, if you read verses 19 to 20, 19 and 20 often confuses me. Here's why. God in Genesis chapter 1 always intended to create the woman. In Genesis 2, he seems to take a pause in creating the woman. In that, he created Adam. And then in verses 19 and 20, what does God do? He brings all the animals before Adam. Why? He knows he's going to create Eve. Adam doesn't know it, maybe, but most likely he doesn't know it. But God yet still intends to bring all the animals before Adam. I want to suggest that I think the reason why God brings before all the animals before Adam is twofold. One, to show us to show us that there's nothing in creation that can satisfy, nothing in creation that can be the best companion that a woman can be for a man. 
The horse ain't going to do it. The cow ain't going to do it. The cat Missy ain't going to do it. And the dog Musky ain't going to do it. I don't know what the name, I don't know. You guys have weird names. Buster. Let's call him Buster. It's to show us, right, that that there can't be the relationship between animals and, and, and men the same way a relationship between a man and a woman. It can't happen. You can't find love, joy, peace. You can't find companionship. You can't find the, the shared love and intellect and motivation and drive in any other animal, but you can find it in a woman. I think... Verses 19 and 20 are showing us how much we need you ladies. And you know what I think it's showing us too? I think it was showing Adam how much he needed Eve. Here's why. What is Adam's response in verses 19 and 20 concerning the woman? Nada. Actually, the Bible says... And Adam was still lonely. But then drop down to verse 23. Look at Adam's response to when he sees the woman. The first time in all of history, man speaks a poem to a woman. Adam was romantic. Check this out. This at last is bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Ladies, you will be tempted to think that you are not valuable and you are not worthy and you don't have dignity. And oftentimes that temptation would, will, will spur, be spurred and motivated by the way men have treated you. And, and yes, that is a result of a sin, but you have to see this. You have to see the beauty that Adam looks for the very first time to a woman and he exclaims that this is the person who he longed for, a person that looked like him, but that was different, a person made from him, but that was different. Verse 23, it's a beautiful reminder of your value, of your worth, and of your dignity. I've had the pleasure of many times. I love this little poem because I've done some weddings, I'm available this summer, if you're interested. <laughs> and something beautiful happens. We've all been at weddings. Something beautiful happens. The groom is standing on the stage. But there's a moment where he's not looking out because the bride is about to come out. And then everything, everybody in the crowd and me, who's just smiling, sweating, right? <laughs> For the pictures. We're anticipating his look. We're anticipating her look, right? Like we're watching her, watching him, watching him, watching her. We're watching them both together, looking at each other. And often what you'll see is what? The man's face lights up when he sees her for the very first time. When his father is bringing her down the aisle, 
For the very first time, his look and his gaze is upon his bride. And he is filled with joy. I imagine that's what happened, right? God, like a father who parades and brings his daughter down the aisle. God brings Eve to Adam and says, I have created, figuratively speaking, right? A helper fit for you. Ladies, you are valuable. You are worthy. We need you. So, women, how do we live out this role? Very easily, we work together with men in pursuit of dominion, subduing, multiplication, and fruitfulness. Right? So, so if the purpose of the woman, right, is to be a helpmate fit for him, and God mandated to Adam and mandated to men to work, to have dominion, to subdue, to be fruitful and multiply. The woman has the same mandate to help him accomplish those things, even for herself. In harmony, in unity, in love, in joy, and in contentment. So how do we do that? We, we are faithful Wives in the home. We are faithful mothers who raise up children in the Lord. We are faithful employees at our job. And, and, and we are faithful sisters in the church who encourage men to live out their purpose in ways that are life-giving to the church and that are life-giving to our community. We do that together. But here's the temptation, ladies. We know what happens in Genesis chapter three. Though the woman was perfect, she was a perfect complement to help Adam subdue the earth, have dominion over it, be fruitful and multiply. We know Genesis three, sin enters into the world, causes an array of problems. Sin now permeates in the life of Adam and Eve and it also affects their relationship Last week, we talked about the struggles of men. We will struggle with passivity or aggression. But today, ladies, I think, I think your, your temptation, your struggle is a li little different. But I'll read for you Genesis 3.16. God says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. In other words, women... You are going to experience the great agony of both the experience and the emotion of everything that has to do with children. Notice what it says and notice how it's structured. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And then it says, in pain you shall bring forth children. The the understanding behind this saying is that it's not that you're just going to feel a lot of pain when you give birth. It means that you're going to feel the anxiety, the fear, everything that comes with having a child, not having a child, raising a child, bearing a child, and birthing a child. Your life now is going to be consumed with experiences and emotions that are going to, at times, hurt at times be overwhelming, 
at times fearful and anxious, you are going to experience great pain. And then in the last part of verse 16 in chapter 3, God continues to say, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So what the Bible is saying, the curse and the temptation that the woman is going to have is a distorted desire to want to dominate and control men. You're going to want to be over him. Unlike the man, I don't think this manifests itself in aggression, though it can. I'm not saying it doesn't, but don't, it can. But, it, but I think because women are wired differently and think differently, the way this gets manifested for you, maybe not all of you, but some of you at least, the way this gets manifested for you is through comparison and competition. I think that's where your temptation is going to lie in comparison and competition. Here's why. Because when we looked at Genesis chapter two, we remember that Adam was created first, Eve was created second. Eve was created to help the man to subdue and have dominion, but there are general differences between the man and the woman. And the temptation you're going to have is to think that his position, his authority, his purpose is better than your purpose and your role. You're going to struggle in the workplace to compete with the man. Because you are going to, you're going to observe the simple practice of men to be overly passive or overly domineering. And Genesis 3 says, right, that you're going to want to compete with him. Because what the Bible also says, that the man is going to rule over you. So, so we're going to have a tug of war. We're going to fight. You're going to think, right, that you have it harder than men. Men have it easy. It's more challenging to be a woman because the pain and agony that you face, you're going to think that it's much easier to be a man. And you're going to want that position and that status because you have seen and experienced how poorly you've been treated, how man's aggression has overtaken you. Men then become the enemy. Men then become the problem. And then men are what's wrong with this world. Or maybe you're tempted to believe that the different roles we play are assigned different values. Right? That's what, that's what we are tempted to do sometimes, right? That we tend to think, right, that someone has a different purpose or a different role, so therefore they have a different value than my value because I provide a different role or a purpose. See the competition. So what do we do, ladies? 
How can we fight the temptation of comparison and competition? I think the first thing you have to do as you struggle with comparison and competition and even aggression, right? The, the desire to overtake, overrule, dominate, control, manipulate men in whatever area, the, to fight against men being overly aggressive or men who decide to be extremely passive, the way you are going to fight the temptation and the tension that we see in our world, in our culture, and that you have is that you accept the fact that what we struggle with, the sin that we struggle with is not a result of God's original design for you and me. It's a result of sin. Oftentimes we can think, right, that the Bible is archaic. The Bible was written a long time ago and it was written during a time when there wasn't a lot of equality and gender roles were confusing it was unhealthy and toxic, and then it would lead us to think that God's original intent in Genesis chapter 2 is archaic and wrong. No, the reason why there is tension, the reason why you struggle with comparison, and you struggle with sin and competition, and we struggle with aggression, and we struggle with passivity, is because we messed up. God did not mess up. It was our disobedience that separated us from God. It was our sin and disobedience that caused a chasm between us and God and ultimately barriers and hurdles between men and women. It was our sin. It wasn't God's design. It wasn't part of God's design. God's design, God's purpose for men and women is perfect, was perfect, and you and I messed it up. Second way that you can fight the temptation, your struggle and sin as it relates to your relationship with men is to embrace the role that God has given you. I think sometimes it's hard to embrace a role or a purpose because, because we want the other one or because it's hard or difficult. Ladies, when you embrace the role as a helper, a counterpart, someone who compliments men, the way you view men, the way you treat men, the way you interact with men becomes different. And when you embrace your role, when you look at God's design and say, yes, God, I choose this because you made it for me, I will struggle with it, I'm not gonna do it perfectly, and when I do it imperfectly, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. When you embrace that role, you know what happens? You experience joy. You know what, I've, I've heard it said before that comparison is the thief of joy. When you embrace the role, ladies, you will find joy. And that goes to men too, when we embrace our roles in ways that are meaningful, in the home, in the church, in our community, 
we will find joy. Also, ladies, as an encouragement, you were not created to be used as an object for selfish pleasure. You weren't created to be a tool or an instrument for selfish gain. You were created to be a counterpart to men with equal value, worth, and dignity before God and among men. And your role as a helper was given to you by God so that you will flourish and men will flourish. When you flourish, when you operate in God's design, we are the beneficiaries of that faithful pursuit. I'll leave you with this, with this quote. This is from Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was an old commentator of the Bible, and this is what he said about the woman concerning how she was created. He says that the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near to his heart to be beloved. Adam lost a rib, and in lieu thereof, he had a helpmate, which abundantly made up his loss. God takes away from his people, excuse me, God takes away from his people, but he will, one way or the other, restore with an advantage. Meaning, ladies, Adam lost a rib, but he gained a counterpart. He gained a helper fit for him Ladies, are you a helper fit for him in the home, in your marriage, in your friendship, in the church, in our community? Lastly, the way you can embrace your purpose is by following Jesus' example. Just as Adam and Eve became one flesh in verses 24 to 25, Paul says in Ephesians that Jesus does the same thing with the church. And if Jesus can embrace the role despite our sin, meaning if Jesus is willing to choose us despite our character flaws, despite our sin, despite our waywardness, despite our past, and despite all the things that we would do wrong, if he's willing to still embrace us as his beloved bride, if he's willing to change us, redeem us, despite all that we've done, then surely, ladies, you can embrace the role and purpose that God has created you, even, even with flawed men and sinful men. Let us pray. God, would you help us? For the women, would you help them to be a helper fit for him? in the contexts that they find themselves in. God, would you help men to pursue you, to pursue women in love, generosity, that we would together in harmony and love fulfill your design and purpose for our lives. God, 
in the areas that we fall short, in the areas where we struggle and are tempted, God, would you help us? Just as you help the people of Israel, God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God say, This has been a message from the chapel in Akron, Ohio. Thanks for joining us today. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 and 1040 a.m. You can join us online for our services by going to akronlive.thechapel.life. For more information about the chapel, please visit our website at thechapel.life.